0: Being funky. Let's break Starfader. Oh, there we go. Now we're good.
1: (laughs) All right. Would you please?
0: All right. Good morning,
1: everybody. Get in the room. Go.
0: We are live. Hi,
1: everyone.
0: Welcome to Tea Talk. Good morning, everybody. Okay, so. Um, this is Tea Talk. This is our morning podcast that we do every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this we've um, today I'm stumbling over my tongue already. <laughs> today we're continuing a mini series that we've been doing about um, domestic abuse. But before we jump into that. We're gonna go around and introduce ourselves personally and what we're each drinking this morning because uh, you know it's tea talks. Drink is required. <laughs> That's right. Um, so my name is Megan Holman. I am a, a transformational life coach and personal wellness consultant. Um, I'm also an apprentice Reiki practitioner. Um, and I'm getting ready to launch um, my coaching program, So stay tuned for announcements about that. And this is my beautiful sister and business partner, Stephanie Siren.
2: Hello, I'm Stephanie Siren and I am a healer. Um, I am also an ordained priestess and I am also a spiritual advisor. I am drinking coffee this morning because again there is not enough caffeine in the world for someone like me. I love my sleep and now I have a cold, so even more so now. So caffeine's bringing me to you guys at this point. Like it is the delivery system of me in your world right now.
0: <laughs> oh
2: yes. Indeed. And um, after we do our introductions, I did have brought out some crystals for us to look at and contemplate about and why they want to be out for this subject matter today.
3: Excellent. And
2: then we also have the beautiful Lori, Megan's mommy and also consultant for this subject. Yes. Lori, what Good are you morning. drinking?
1: I am. I am drinking out of the Darth Vader mug. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking lemon, lemon ginger tea. Nice. Yeah. So I'm all, I got my pillows. I'm all comfortable. I'm ready to go.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look like somebody who has it together and is moisturized and like has a tea <laughs> instead of coffee. Whatever. We know where you're at.
1: We see. I see a soft have any creamer or I would be drinking coffee.
2: <laughs> you're serving me soft babysitter vibes. Here, oh, I good, good. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got you.
1: <laughs> I got you, girls. Right, you're my, you're I'm my drinking, hug,
0: and, um, So, I'm drinking my coffee. I have a diet Mountain Dew in here, and um, I'm, I may refill it a few times. So, <laughs> what's your mug course. look
1: like? Let's see it, Megan. It's my mermaid mug, the one it's you got for my roommate. my birthday. We have birthday. matching mugs,
2: yeah. I have one of those too. But she it's thought, that I, she
0: thought I took it home because <laughs> she has one just like uh-huh.
1: Oh, what so she you got that's funny. No, I got I, I got Megan a little mug and a, a set, a little necklace and pearl earring set for her birthday, and and so that's I love the mermaid yeah. thing. My awesome. yeah, so Lily's cute. into mermaids. So mm-hmm. anyway,
0: alrighty. Um, so so uh, we're talking about heavy stuff today. So. uh Steph, why don't you go ahead and lead us through our meditation and breathing exercise
3: mm-hmm. sure okay so
2: first of all everyone i want to show you the crystals that i've brought out today um so i have a really beautiful raw rose quartz and rose is uh what brings love and happiness this rose quartz to a room. It makes everybody feel a lot of self love, also. So it's a really great crystal for that. I also have my orange calcite. Orange calcite is a happy uh, crystal, and this one came out to just keep the vibes up and and replenish whatever we might extract or ex- mm-hmm. have happen while we're going through this. You know, my windows are open also, so you might hear the rain outside. Sorry. Loving the rain,
1: though. (laughs) Loving it.
2: This is also a type of raw calcite, orange calcite. And the difference between a pointed crystal and a raw crystal is the energies are different. So that's why I brought out two of them. And then how which makes us feel loved and held. Quartz, just because quartz is great. You gotta have a quartz. Yep. And a seashell
1: for healing
2: because water is healing and the ocean is healing. Nice. Yes. And then I decided to wear carnelian and gold today And the reason for that is gold is power. When you wear silver, you're seeking truth. When you wear gold, you are seeking to use your power. So that's what it brings out. And then carnelian is also about power and creativity. So I decided to wear those today to kind of help us out with the vibes. So everyone, I'd like you to take a really deep breath. And feel it right here in your chest when you do. And I'd like you to wrap your arms around yourself like this, like you're giving yourself a great big hug. And you are cradling yourself. Whitney's sitting next to me doing the same thing. (laughs) For those of you who are tuning in who don't know, Whitney is my dog, my Queensland healer. Yes, a healer has a healer. And um, she's <laughs> just a sweetheart. And uh, she loves to join us when we do these exercises.
3: I've got my girl. So here, just keep the
2: embrace going with one last breath. And feel just all the relaxation going through your body as we talk about these difficult heavy subjects and megan why don't you go ahead
0: and lead us through all right so um we're continuing um our discussion about uh domestic abuse um this is part three in a series that we've been doing so, if you missed um, the first two episodes, um, in the first episode, we we're, we're talking about um, the wheel of power and control because domestic abuse is a, a a pattern of behaviors used to gain or maintain power and control over another person, and the the patterns of behaviors that you see within this cycle. Um. Are called the power of we uh, the the goodness the power and control wheel, which was developed by the Domestic Abuse Intervention Project in Duluth, Minnesota. Um, I hope I got the state right. <laughs> oh well. Um, and so it shows all these different categories, and in doing our research, um, we we came up with ten. Different categories. So, um, in episode one, we talked about um, isolation and possessiveness. We talked about minimizing denial and blame. Um, We talked about privilege, status, and domination. And then we also talked about, you know, why victims don't leave and what you can do to start Mm -hmm. the conversation, whether you're a victim or someone looking in from the outside um in episode two we talked about um economic abuse we talked about intimidation we talked about threats and coercion we also talked about love bombing because that happens um throughout and we Mm -hmm. talked about how to support a victim when they're going through this what's the best thing that you can do for them what not to do um and while we're doing this, we're we're sharing our personal experiences because I think it's important to give that piece because it doesn't look the same for everybody, but a lot of it is very similar and hearing stories it helps you fit the yeah. pieces together and see what it looks like and learn how to recognize it. And that's really important right. because this information You know, I didn't know this when I was in my domestically abusive relationship. And if I had known all of this, it would have made a world of difference. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, we're going to be this. Today's episode is going to be longer, just like our previous two episodes have been. Usually we go about an hour Um, today. We'll probably hit close to two, but it's a lot of information and it's a lot. It's a lot of important information. And we wanted to put the time into it that it deserves yeah um the next so two hang on there with us the next two episodes that we have planned um they're going to be back to our regular hour um next week um episode four um we're going to be talking about how to support the abuser because you know there are some of them that can change um but it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of dedication so how do you support them through that process how do you recognize that they're ready to to, to really change. Um, episode yeah. five is going to be, um, we're going to kind of do a recap and we're going to talk about some of the experiences that we brought up and why those are red flags. And we're going to talk about the green flags that we've learned to recognize now in the relationships that we have now and how we've learned to avoid repeating that pattern with another person. And we're also going to be talking about how you start healing once you're out um because that's an important part of it too that's when the real work begins right and at the end of episode five (laughs) i'm excited to announce this we have a special surprise for you guys we are going to be playing kaylee bishop's song um oh my gosh Uh, rewrite your story or you can rewrite your story and we have a personalized recorded message from kaylee bishop to play with you guys and it's going to be awesome i'm so excited to share it with you guys. which was super sweet of her yes Yes, it's amazing i'm I'm so happy to be able to do this and help promote her song like i'm just ah i'm excited about the whole thing so (laughs) um this week today we're going to be talking about um Emotional abuse um, we're going to be talking about using children as a tactic of control and emotional manipulation. We're going to be talking about physical abuse um, and we're going to be talking about sexual abuse and coercion. And um, we're, then we're going to move to, you know, how do you emotionally protect yourself. When you're going through this experience and how do you recognize when it's getting to uh, when the abuse is escalating to lethal escalation, which is when it gets the most dangerous and then we're also going to talk about how to create a safety plan, how do you get yourself out. Safely and and minimize the risk of being harmed by your partner when you try to leave because leaving is the most dangerous part and it needs to be thought out and planned carefully with the support of your loved ones your friends police officers therapists like there's an an amazing team of resources that you can build for yourself Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so I'm shaking already (laughs) so trigger warning um today's we're here with you yeah trigger warning today's episode is going to be heavy because we are talking about the ugliest stuff that there is to see in in the domestic abuse cycle and um i I, i've pointed this out every week so far um it happens with adults and teenagers And it happens with men and women. Men can be the victim and women can be the perpetrators. Um, uh, Mm Yeah. Okay, with that, um, oh, and for legal purposes, um, we use code names for our offenders. And for this mini series, we went with a geeky theme. Um, We do this because it is our right to share our stories and to educate others about what it's like to experience it and how to get out safely. But Mm -hmm. you know, we also we're not doing this to put anyone on blast We're we're doing this to teach and to heal and to help so for for um, respective privacy and for legal purposes, we use these code names so Stephanie what's your code name.
2: Oh, my ex was Voldemort, of course, you know, because I'm a Harry Potter fan and total witchy-poo, so, uh, it had to happen. Indeed. What
0: about you, Meg? I, mine is Sauron, because I am a lifelong Tolkien fandrel.
2: An
1: obvious elf.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> Mom, what's your code word? i love
1: disney and so i chose captain hook for a name for for examples of my experiences so
0: awesome all right well with that let's dive in so we're going from least extreme to most extreme Both in the organization of our episodes and in the patterns of abuse that we're talking about, because typically that's how it happens. It progresses and escalates and gets worse over time. Um, Oh, I had something there and I lost it. Well, we were Um, were going to go over from the least to um, the most severe. Our first is, oh, that's what it was. I wanted to point out that while we are covering um physical abuse and sexual abuse as um separate segments on this wheel um and i will link the image of the wheel um in this episode and the links are already there um it's a a direct link to the file in my google drive you can look at the wheel and all the information that's on it in our previous episodes as well but um, if you look, if you look, when you look at the image of the wheel, all of the other patterns or abuse of abuse are in the, in the inside cut up like a pie. But there's a dark outer ring where uh, physical abuse and sexual abuse is listed in this dark outer, outer ring that encircles the entire pie and that's because often physical and sexual abuse is happening throughout the course of the relationship as these other behaviors are amping up as well. Um, anyways, okay, so with that, we'll dive in, <laughs> sorry, um, so emotional abuse is the use of anger and humiliation to control another. Abusers using tactics wow. of emotional abuse will put their partner down or call them names, give constant criticism to their parter- partner. Uh, pick their partner apart, say, oh, you're, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're you're just not enough. Um, make their partner feel bad about themselves um, or about even their own choices and thoughts. Make their partner feel like they're crazy. Um, play mind games like gaslighting, which is another form of emotional manipulation. Oh, I didn't say that, you just misunderstood. Um humiliate yeah. or embarrass their partner in front of others, such as screaming at you in front of a crowd, um, making their partner uh, feel guilty. Oh, had you not come out in that towel, then I wouldn't have done this. Uh, you wanted me to do this because you did this, or, or well, you, you know, you made me do this. So, you know, get over yeah.
1: it. Justifying, justifying what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um,
0: every so- minute. Death and for time's sake, I've got a, I've got a timer <laughs> on my desk today. so um, I can be <laughs> We're shooting, we're shooting for five, five minutes. So um, if you need no. a minute, if you need a minute or two more, it's okay. But we're kind of keeping it in that, that range. Okay. So uh,
2: honestly, on, on this one, like I, I think I've touched a lot on it. So yeah. like, I'm not worried about like getting in too much here right so if we're just sticking to the we're sticking to the emotional aspect Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: um the emotional aspect like examples for me would have been um for instance telling me i'm broken on a daily basis i'm Mm -hmm. crazy that was part Mm -hmm. of the gaslighting though um using my short-term memory loss against me Um, because I do have short term memory loss. And um, it got worse after my trauma. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was used against me a lot to say that certain things happened that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, um, looking me straight in the eye and saying, um, well, this kind of falls under the sexual thing, too, because um, it was looking me straight in the eye and saying, you haven't turned me on or been attractive to me for over six months um or looking me in the eye and saying i don't love you anymore
0: yeah
2: um these things are not things that you tell someone that you love or care about you just don't these are tactics to gain control over the other person by abusing them emotionally and affecting their uh, sense of safety and normalcy in your marriage and reality too.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Right. So that's my share on that one.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: For me, um, oh, there was a lot of putting me down when I when I didn't live up to those you know impossible expectations that that were in place that you know we talked about in i think last week's episode um Mm -hmm. and and it was you know any 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 time that i tried to do something for me he could do it better um i write Mm -hmm. i i have loved to write since i was a little girl i mean i can remember being Mm You know, ten years old, sitting at my kitchen table, working, and you know, every spare moment for an entire week on a creative writing assignment that my teacher gave us—that was supposed to be like a page, you know—and I wrote like a novella.
1: (laughs) Um, Which is normal. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's normal. I'm learning to but um but so I would I would write on my laptop for hours at a time and seeing me write, you know, he he started working on this novel of his and it was like, oh well, you know, you don't don't be disappointed when yours doesn't take off because you just don't understand this as much as I do and I know what readers want and I was just like, okay you know,
2: Megan, Um, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting take because um, I have, you know, I have the same ex mm -hmm. from that situation. And um, yes, people, I have a pattern. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's why I went to therapy. Um, Yes. Yes. (laughs) um, But um, he did the same thing with me, but with art, Mm -hmm.
0: with painting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. um, Like a competition thing. That's Mm -hmm. interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, there was also the, the, the gaslighting, you know, whenever something happened, whenever he did get abusive, um, it was the, oh, well that was just a fight. That's just how couples fight. You're just immature. You don't understand these things. You're not old enough to get it. You haven't been in enough relationships and you know, all the while I'm screaming, no, it's not supposed to be this way you know and um he would flip out and start screaming and yelling at me at the kids and in the middle in front of all of these people and you know i'm stuck playing the the peacekeeper you know trying to get things back under control so yeah it was got bad <laughs> um yeah. Lori, what, or uh, mom, <laughs> I have it as Lori on my computer. What was your experience?
1: For emotional abuse? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple of, of experiences, just short takes. I've had lots of different relationships that were toxic and, mm-hmm. um, and I got no problem walking off the door. <laughs> but they did use the kids against me. Um mm-hmm. I was driving, I was driving with Captain Hook and uh my daughter said, Mommy, it's cold because the air conditioning was running. And I was arguing um with my husband and He reaches over and flips the air conditioning on high and keeps driving. Uh, It wasn't, that wasn't a target at my child. It was targeted at me. So hurting your kids or threatening your kids. Yeah. um, That kind of stuff. They will, that is very common because what a mother cares the most about is. Her children. The
0: the kids. And that's actually kids our next come in, in my is using children.
1: Yes. Also, also, I, you know, um, I remember um, all of the things that you were talking about, Megan, that being controlled, being put down, it's, you know, everything. It's like, they cannot match your, the light. Mm-hmm that an empath brings and the narcissist has to crush it. And that's, you know, and they will use any means possible to do that. Another situation that I got into with another Captain Hook was um, my car wasn't running. And so my son was out. He was out at his grandfather's, and they were doing yard work and cleaning and they had raked a big burn pile. And so the boys did it and there was like a can
0: of something, hairspray. Oh, it was wasp spray. I remember that, it was wasp spray. spray. And
1: so my son puts his hand up like this to protect his face. His hand was in third degree burn blisters all over his hand, so he went to the hospital. His grandmother put it in ice water and he fainted, (laughs) but the problem was I needed to get to the hospital Mm -hmm. and this man decided I wasn't going. Yeah. And so at that point, I had just, I had just was so sick of it. I took his, took the keys, took his truck, told him I was taking the truck. I didn't give him a choice. And I got in the car and I drove to the hospital, drove to get his wife, Nikki, who was his girlfriend back then, and onto the hospital we went. The blowback from me actually stepping up was big. Yeah. It was big. And, yeah. and you know, in, there was, you know, fighting going on and stuff when I got home. But once I got my son, once I... Once, oh, once I got my son, um, you know, he was settled and and he had, was bandaged and treated and everything. I went out to the car because he was ringing me off the wall. My phone was just, and that's what he did. He would just, it was just rapid dialing, constant, constant, constant screaming, like. threaten, threaten, threaten. Mm-hmm. and
2: I would I just, open my phone to like 75 texts.
1: Yeah, 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 that's what would happen to me. And so when I got out of the hospital in the hospital parking lot, I called him and really stood up for myself and the kids and said, excuse you, but don't you ever, ever try to come between me and my children again, Mm -hmm. especially in a crisis situation. But he wanted... You know, he wanted that much control over every aspect of my life, how I parented, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, coming up on five. And, and this, and he stalked me. Mm-hmm. He stalked me everywhere. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And he tried to kidnap me from my
0: work. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: My so, like, uh, like ex Very scary yeah my my
2: ex-husband insisted on gpsing me everywhere i went if he wasn't going to drive me there Mm
1: -hmm. captain hook stood there and explained to me i know i hadn't seen him in three months Mm -hmm. it was hell getting him out of the house Mm -hmm. but he stood there i was just frozen and i was terrified There was so much fear and tears just streaming down my face. I was alone in the office. And so I got up and stepped outside to get him out of my office. And he began telling me about this plan he had for us. He was taking me to Vermont or Virginia or something. And
3: there was just.
1: But what what happened was I saw pictures go choo-choo-choo-choo and i saw duct tape and zip ties and then um. i started really bawling <laughs> cuz i knew what he was going to do he was and he kept telling me come to my trailer come look in my trailer they use fear they try they they fake kindness mm-hmm. they fake being gentle and um and to go through that you know, when he finally left my house, I had to spend the night at a dip diff- for two weeks straight. I spent the night at a different friend's house every night. I yeah. only stayed for, at one place for 24 hours and then I moved on and he couldn't catch me because he didn't know where I was. I just kept moving. Sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to do those kind of drastic things yeah oh i
2: i understand completely i haven't i haven't even told everybody this one even Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there were times during my uh divorce where i was still playing nice and not going completely blocking him because i was so afraid of him yeah I was afraid of Voldemort so like I would just act like things were just fine we're just completely mm-hmm. civil and amicable because I was so afraid.
3: Right.
2: I didn't know if Voldemort was going to show up on my front porch with a gun and shoot me.
1: Exactly. Know? I got and threatened I still, with the same thing. I still don't
2: know. I still don't know. I still live like that. Mm-hmm. Um but I'm I'm saying my truth because this is a reality for so many people, and it's time for all of us to be able to get out. Yes, you know, and um, that's why I'm sitting here doing this.
0: Right. Yeah. Let's, I have um, part of your story, ahead, mom. Part of your story, mom, um, brought up our next point actually. So let's jump into that. um um, using children as a control tactic Uh and this this falls you know under a form of emotional abuse um Uh abusers who use their children as a control tactic will make their partner feel guilty about the children you know if they if they leave then you know they won't have a, a dad or they won't have a mom Um, They'll threaten and abuse the children, emotionally abuse the children and alienate them, you know, from their significant other um, uh, through lies or threats or um, they'll use the children to relay messages to their partner, you know, like tell me she owes me money or tell her to stop calling when you're at my house. Right. um they'll use visitation to harass their partner like you know when you meet up to trade kids they'll take that opportunity to you know say something to you or they'll constantly call and interrupt your time with them um or they'll uh, yes they'll threaten to take the children away you know like if you leave then i'm i'm gonna take custody um right. so mom you you shared some stuff do you, do you remember um any any of that
2: absolutely um there's like so much to share as far as that goes and then there's also a lot of things that i'm not going to share because i'm protecting my children's um, privacy right um but i can just say there's a couple examples where he really would uh take over my parenting Mm -hmm. And, um, override a lot of things and it would start with threats to me first. It would start with a threat of, well, you're not a good mom and your kids doing this and this and this, because you're not a good mom. And so it started with that. And then him like enforcing his rules by tearing me down and saying that, you know, it's all because they didn't have an active father in their life. Mm-hmm. and then using the excuse of, well, this is what it looks like for them to have a father in their life, which right. was not true at all. It was what it looked like to have an authoritarian bully in the
3: house, yeah, right. but
2: not what it looks like to have a father. And so, you know, uh, narcissists will change the, um, the narrative to fit what they're doing, you mm-hmm. know, and they'll make you they do it so emphatically yeah. that you start to believe it right and because it's and all so, part
1: of the grooming process it right. is
3: it
2: you're is you're
1: being groomed you're being groomed on how they want you to speak and walk and, and well, everything.
2: and and the power that the power struggle that we had and the control that he had effectively over the course of I want to say four years he effectively Mm -hmm.
3: groomed
2: the situation Mm -hmm. and 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 got me to the point where I was isolated from family Mm -hmm. then I was started getting isolated from my children because he started like making edicts like look this is me and you against the world kind of thing and it was very isolating and then one of my children left to go live with their grandparents and, and, uh, uncle. And, um, it was part of it somehow he knew he had pushed it Mm -hmm. so far that my child Mm -hmm. would leave because like, once that happened, my kids are my everything. So once that happened, it broke me in a way. And i hurt so bad like he had me right where he wanted me because Mm -hmm. every morning i was waking up crying going i just want to die like i don't have any other purpose in life i can't effectively parent my other child with special needs right right i can't effectively be a wife i can't effectively do anything because i'm just so crushed Mm -hmm. and and like what, what's easier to, to mold and manipulate than somebody who's in that position. Right. And then it happened again, later on with my other child, when they couldn't take it anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so by then the only child left was another child of art of his and once they left the situation too then it was like there were no kids for me to stay for like it really was yeah that was it that was the uh the straw that broke the camel's back for me was the children once the kids were in the picture and i didn't have to keep a facade of oh the happy loving family Mm-hmm. Like, once that wasn't left for me to carry that burden anymore of trying to keep that going,
3: mm-hmm. like,
2: I was done. I was yeah. just like, okay, I'm shedding all of this. Like, it's all going.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because
2: if I'm not a mom, who am I at this point? Who am I? Just his his punching bag, you know? Right. Right. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm either gonna die this
3: way or I'm gonna choose my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For me, um, there there were children in the home already, um, and and they were you know, the, biologically his children. I mean, in my heart, they were mine. I I, I loved them dearly. To to this mm-hmm. day, and, and fortunately, I still get to be close to yours. <laughs> um, but um, you know, there I, I remember um, early on, he uh, he he would uh, he would manipulate my emotions by saying, um, talking about the, the the mother of his his younger girls or his younger children who had been um, his previous relationship. And and talking about, um, you know, well, uh, you know, what if what if she wants to get back together? I mean, it would be in the girl's best interest for their for their parents to be together. But I don't know where you would go. What would you even do if that happened? And it would panic me because I was an hour away from my family, completely isolated. Um, mm-hmm. And then early on. Um, <clears throat> one of the major conflicts that arose was that i wanted a child of my own i wanted to carry a child in my body birth it raise it like that was my dream and um, I'm, I'm not going to give his personal um medical information away but Sauron wasn't capable of having any more children at that point um and so um we we'd been together you know two or three months at that point but i i really struggled with that because i was like I, I love this person but if i stay i have to give up this dream and i really want that and so i almost um i almost you know left because i was like i don't know if i can give that up that's so important to me mm-hmm. um uh-huh. and so he came back to me and said um well uh you had talked about being uh you know getting a donor if you didn't meet someone so why don't we just do that and and you know i'll just pretend that um you know your baby was around before we met He want,
1: yeah he wanted to
0: adopt mm-hmm. right so um so he was like okay and so I, started setting, I started setting money aside i started saving up and there came a point when things got bad, and I did go and stay for a week at my mom's house. And when I came back, because I had left to take a break and and think about everything, mm-hmm. when I came back, suddenly he wanted to get married. He wanted to he wanted to you know start the process to have a to have a, a baby, and I'll adopt him. And and you know, and so I, I you know, and things were better for a while. And so I was like, okay. And then the procedure worked very quickly. <laughs> so, but then as soon as I was pregnant, things changed again. Um, and suddenly it was, well, you know, my family is not gonna react well to the fact that I'm having a, another kid. And if they know that he's not mine, then my mom will, you know, probably be really cruel to him because this is what she did when I announced my last two pregnancies and Mm -hmm. I panicked because all of a sudden I had this baby growing inside of me and I thought it was gonna get hurt just by being a member of the family. Um, So there there were, you know, a lot of both and and my baby in, you know, that I was being controlled and, and manipulated through and it got, it got intense. Um, so our next topic um is physical abuse and the list is short because it's obvious (laughs) you know um so let's just let's just jump in um so abusers who use tactics of physical abuse will hold or restrain their partner so they can't leave Slam their partner into the wall or a locker, hurt their partner where bruises won't show, yeah. grab their partner, <laughs> slap their partner, hit their partner, choke their partner, jab, punch, kick, any any physical aggression. Um, so I threw myself first under the bus for this one. So. <laughs> um. For me, it looked like um, being shoved up against the wall, being shoved up against the stove or the fridge, um, being grabbed by the throat, being grabbed by the arm and and shook, um, being grabbed by the hair, um, having a machete pointed at my throat and and threatened, it goes goes on and on. Luckily, I left before it got to him flat out punching and kicking me. But I, I left because I saw that it was coming and I was already pregnant and oh, I was yeah. terrified that I was going to miscarry if he hurt me. So, um, mom, physical abuse. <laughs>
1: Um, I have, I have also a lot of bruising where it doesn't show. Uh, and that helps, you know, that's part of keeping your secret Mm -hmm. slapping, Mm -hmm. um, grabbing me by the hair, um, pushing me up against the wall, choking me, um, You know, I, I have been punched (laughs) Um, and it just, you, you just, I think when that happens, the trauma is so, so difficult to get through that you shut down. Mm -hmm. So you stop feeling because feelings are expensive when you're in that kind of a, a relationship yeah and um, and so you you there's there's a part of this process where you just go numb. Mm-hmm. you just go numb from all the abuse. it just it you know it, and they and one of the the, the most associate. People, Yes, yes, I did. I I did. I did do that. Um, just, it's a survival tactic that we use and, you know, just um,
0: get through the hour, just get through the day. That's your only focus.
1: If I had the, the guy that, the guy that stopped me and tried to kidnap me and everything, had I not had my son living at home at the time. I would have been hurt very badly, very badly.
2: I'd like to share something about um, disassociation Um, because Megan, you had just said something that was still somewhat in tune with your person when you say, just make it through the day. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Um, I
2: -hmm. got to the point of survival where there wasn't even that thought anymore the only thought i had was don't fall off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. like that's pretty much where i was at mentally
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: and i think there's different layers of disassociation Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. and sometimes with the physical like our disassociation is like almost like surface and i've learned this mm-hmm. from like learning more about somatics and the body and how we carry it mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. it's never just physical though is it it's 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 many layered right mm-hmm. so like of course that's usually like the last blow is what
3: is yeah. what they do yeah yeah
0: it's so, the physical, I, mean, I think it's the physical it, I mean, abuse more than anything else that makes you start to fear for your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you can, yeah. And see, you think you also, you know, we talked about this in the last session, that you get so emotionally rattled mm-hmm. and they keep you at a state of high anxiety because yes. you can't think straight. So they don't want you to calm down. Yeah. mine would abuse me until I cracked, and if it took,
2: if you know, it took I me honestly, three days
1: I... to crack. He abused me for three days nonstop until I broke down and I cracked. And that, and okay, now I won, and that was very satisfying to him.
2: Oh yeah, they it's satisfying them to them to break yes. someone. Yeah.
1: It's like it's like breaking a horse. Well, and I am very, you know, I said, (laughs) I'm a very stubborn, tenacious Scott. And and I did not grow up backing down. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with all boys, you know, so I learned. I throw rocks, jump my bike over the ditch and garbage cans like evil Knievel and ride horses. And that's what, so getting into a domestic violence relationship more than once, um, it was, it, it's a shock to your system. It, it really, it really creates so much self-doubt and then you start abusing yourself
2: mm-hmm.
1: emotionally. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And you know, I have had I have had two relationships where I was brutally raped.
0: Yeah. And Steph it was
1: did, it was punishment.
0: On, yeah. Um, Steph, did it was, you want to comment on um physical uh, abuse before yeah, we there jump into sexual whole, abuse? Um, so what
2: what subject are we on right now? And the well, Physical abuse. abuse physical still okay yeah because I had some stuff to say about that Go for um, I was so okay so I've had a couple partners who were physically abusive mm-hmm. it wasn't just Voldemort um but I did have uh in my 20s I had a partner who punched me in the stomach and mm-hmm. um it winded me and it, mm-hmm. it upset the crap out of me like I'm I'm like that night I was crying like uncontrollably and like very upset. But at the same time, the amount of disassociation that is caused from a, a uh, just a uh, physical situation, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not as much as the long haul of abuse that happens with a narcissist that, mm-hmm. that was Baltimore's. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't start with the physical abuse. It started completely differently. There was a whole type of grooming going on over years. Mm -hmm. But then it was Mm -hmm. when we started living together, that's when he had a sense of more control over the situation. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen Mm -hmm. is if I said things that he didn't like, he'd squeeze my hand real hard.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then it got to pushing me he would push mm-hmm. me when he didn't like something that i did or said and then it would escalate from there uh, it it was always intimidation though and before that happened it was we would be talking and he'd look at me and say i just want to punch you in the face right now and mm-hmm. i didn't know that that was abuse at the time or
1: they'll or they'll raise their fists yeah as,
2: they'll he raise their fists his...
1: like they're gonna hit you or they puff up their chest and come in yes. physically intimidating yes. you.
2: yes mm-hmm. yes like also i have like walls and doors that have holes punched in them from his threats mm-hmm. to me you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: and like they use that as a control tactic
1: yes yes
2: yeah. It, yeah, because if 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 you listen to this threat, then you stay in line and I'm in control still.
1: Right. Right.
2: You know, and and so that's what was happening over time for me. And there was a lot of intimidation with that. And there's a lot of standing over. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the posing over to.
1: Intimidate. Yeah, they, I call it posturing. Yes, like they yes
3: absolutely.
2: puffed
1: out and they come in at you because they know they're bigger and they know they're stronger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, well, and I, and women are at a disadvantage unless yeah. they have been trained in self-defense.
0: Right.
1: Absolutely. And so um
2: it got to the point where there was uh at the end of things, I have mentioned before but I'll say it again. Um his threats were always escalating and then the thing with the gun happened where he loaded a revolver and threw it on the bed at me and said shoot yourself i mean, shoot me and then shoot yourself
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and i ran and something clicked inside me Mm -hmm. at that point that was okay you're either gonna die here or you're gonna get out yep and things just escalated from there because i started planning not exactly planning my exit because i was so like being actively abused at the time
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh but i knew i had to get out and my intellect got me into situations where i could exercise getting myself out yeah mm-hmm. and it was very um fortunate that I did have that opportunity um because he had effectively isolated me from everyone Mm -hmm. but Megan and my Mm -hmm. son Mm -hmm. so um and how was he
1: with your son because abusers don't want see that was the problem with you know with Brett he was terrified of Brett which is the only reason that he didn't hit me I got hit in other relationships, but this guy didn't hit me. It was just, you know.
2: Um, With my son, he was not good. My son had his number Mm -hmm. for sure. And um, there was an incident where he was doing the posturing Mm -hmm. over me and screaming at me and I'm in full fetal position, Mm -hmm. which was by the end, that was our norm every day um and my son happened to be home for it and he came up and was pulling him off of me and my son went to go punch him he tried to punch my son and it was ridiculous like it was it was a whole thing and i didn't even think tried to put my body between them because i didn't want it to happen and um I had already lost all respect for him, and I didn't yeah. even know what to do at that point.
1: Right, like, right. And it was
2: just like everything was crumbling around anyway, because like I, I couldn't, I couldn't continue with the uh, immense abuse that was going on every day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Uh huh. Um. All right. So, our final behavior pattern before we move into um emotional protection in our exit plans is sexual abuse and coercion mm-hmm. oh so, that's this yeah. is a tough one girls deep breaths ladies i'm I, i'm sharing something new that i just remembered during last week's episode so woot!
2: <laughs> oh my okay well i'm sharing things that some people probably know nothing of that and uh, It's important because coercion is real and it's a real thing. And so is blackmail. Yes. And so is uh, uh, ultimatums. And Mm -hmm. it definitely needs to be talked about because there were things
0: that went down that weren't kosher. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Ooh, abusers using tactics of sexual abuse will Pressure their partner for sex. Manipulate or make threats for sex. Get their partner drunk or drug them for sex. Share intimate details about their partner about their partner or brag about their sexual relationship. Yep. Compare their partner to their past partners. Yeah. Flirt with others to make their partner jealous. Mm-hmm. Purposefully get their partner pregnant Threaten to take the partner's children away or rape their partner, um, which is called uh, intimate partner rape. Um, I have a list of names, but does anyone want to go first and just get it over with? <laughs> I'll give I'll you do that it. option.
1: I'll jump okay. in. You guys, you guys catch your breath a minute. OK. Um, all right. I I talked a little bit about, uh, about this last time I I just touched on it, but um, the last relationship I had, you know, he learned that with the, uh, with a serious illness that he could take me down um, by making me sick. He read books, he got into it. I thought he was doing it because he wanted to help take care, you know, help me when I wasn't feeling good. And no, he learned that he could he could do this to me. So he would crash me. I call it crashing because mm-hmm. it's what it's an Addison's crisis is what it is, and it is deadly and life threatening every single time. And um, but he would do that to me on purpose so that I would get sick and he could control me. And and I went ended up in the hospital. Um, for 16 hours, he rapid texted, rapid texted, you know, just constant harassment, constant. So Megan was there with me and God bless her. She spent a lot of time in the hospital with mom when, during those years when I wasn't, you know, I, w- I didn't have my illness under control.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but when I came home from the hospital, my son, I couldn't walk. was very weak I was very sick and I was very heavily sedated and I my son carried me into the house put me to bed and sat by my bed till 10 o'clock until I was asleep protecting me Mm -hmm. the problem was that uh this Captain Hook was out at the jacuzzi with friends and when he came in he decided that it was time for sex and he did gross horrible things to me and made me do things and he brutally raped me and there wasn't a damn thing i could do about it but scream if i had screamed my son would have come through that door mm-hmm. and i wouldn't have a son anymore
4: mm-hmm.
1: because it would have he would have beaten him you know, he would have beaten his brains out of the skull for, you know, something like that. Um, and it, you know, it, it, here is, here is an interesting reaction to that. The next day I was so subservient, like you said, fetal position. Um, I needed to take a bath. I was really weak. So, um, he ended up getting in the bathtub with me and I curled up like, I'll be good. I'll be a good girl. I won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it messed my head up so bad. And, and the, I have compound PTSD and it uh, opened that door. Mm-hmm. And so then I began, you know, then I began suffering with all of those symptoms. Um, I, I had an another situation I'm a little nervous about sharing this.
0: If you're not comfortable um, sharing it, then you don't have to. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, it's. I I just I just remember uh, not being not being able to control sex in my own body. Yeah. Um, yes. And like you said, Megan, if you didn't give it, they took it. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was having, I didn't know many years back that I had Addison's disease and Addison's, um, creates an issue where you don't heal yeah. properly. You heal, you heal very slow and everything that happens gets infected. And it's just, a yeah. it's just one of those things. Well, I had just had a baby and my episiotomy was not healing correctly.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember being held down, face down in a pillow Yeah. and got my episiotomy split back open. And for you to, you know, for, for when we experience these things from the people that are supposed to be there to love us and protect us the I you know I'm having this person's children I'm you know and and it's and I was very very young Mm -hmm. he was six years older so he's like 26 and I'm 18 you know so I didn't know anything about anything and it was a running joke that you marry him young so you can raise him right
3: Mm -hmm. but you know what
1: that that wasn't very funny
3: Mm
1: -hmm. no it didn't you know so it's dehumanizing. It is, um, huh? It's dehumanizing. It is. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. It, it is very much so. And it, it's taken me a long, long time, you know, to get, to get through those. I've had lots of therapy. <laughs> right. Um, but it's, you don't have to stay for that ladies.
0: Nope.
1: No. You don't have to do that. It's your body does not belong to them. And it is rape. Whether it's your husband or not. Yes. Or your boyfriend yep. or not. Yep. And it's made in exactly. and that kind doing something like that is power and control. That's what it's all about.
3: Mm-hmm
1: and and
2: consent in the body is real and we can tell when our body is consenting to something because we're turned on we're open we're receiving we feel safe we are open enough to be vulnerable and if that's not happening then that's not consent
1: yeah i i had Um, one i had one one well, Captain Hook bragged about me fighting and the marks that <sighs> I made on him. He he showed his best friends in the gym. And, you know, I hadn't told anyone. I hadn't told anyone. And, you know, I just I just I didn't know how to get out. I didn't even know that you could get a, a financial assistance to get out. Right. We're gonna talk none about of us that. did really. Yeah, nice. no I didn't know what I didn't know any of that, you know. We're gonna
0: talk about that. We need um, to move on for time's sake yeah, though, move on. We've only got about fifty minutes left on on to get through the rest of our material. Um sorry to cut you off. Uh Steph, did you wanna go first? You do want me to take it? I'm getting options for this one because I know this one's hard.
2: Um, I can do this one. This one I actually have my timeline in my head, so I can
3: go ahead and And share the uh
0: I'll go right after you.
2: Okay. Um, so for me actually what you guys talk about is the opposite of what I got. So um yes, I was molested at a very young age so the way I saw sexual relations was skewed already um I had pursued therapy but I had also pursued so many different avenues of relationships and what they looked like because Mm -hmm. being with just one person wasn't safe in my head right um I had some relationships that I was with just one person and it was Mm -hmm. wonderful at the time but then like they broke my heart. And so I was in this place in my head when I met Voldemort, um, uh, well, if I just let them go, they'll come back to me and you know, it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. I had very fairy tale thinking about it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, he had just come out of a divorce mm-hmm. and, um, he was six years older than me. And, um, he told me that he needed to sow his wild oats. And I had been in open relationships before, so I had just been like, okay, well, at first he courted me normally
3: Mm -hmm. and got
2: me emotionally involved for about three months. And I didn't know until later that during those three months, he was cheating on me the whole entire time. Right um with multiple people putting me in danger and then when I called him on all his crap he ghosted me and we broke up I broke up with him and I left him a real nasty message okay so then he decided to play it this way and was like okay we're friends for a while because he knew that something was pliable there like he had some kind of untapped well there for his you know energetic vampirism as we'll call it mm-hmm. um, so by the time we get back together he says to me because i said to him well why don't we just well uh sew your wild oats together and have an open relationship and date each other you know and all these things Mm -hmm. okay well then i get feelings and i don't want to be with anybody else i want to be with him Mm -hmm. but he does this thing with me instead of like if i'm not being a good girl then i don't get the intimacy
3: Mm -hmm.
2: if i'm not following the rules i don't get to be touched or get any affection. Yeah. And he was the type to withhold the affection.
1: Yeah, withhold the love, period.
2: Withhold the love, withhold the touching, mm-hmm. because one of my uh, love languages is physical touch. <laughs> oh, but it's loving physical touch. It's not just me you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it, yeah. you know. And um, so he would use that against mm-hmm. me. And it got to the point where, um, I had been in the hospital. We weren't even married yet. I had been in the hospital and, um, it was for, uh, I had just had a hysterectomy and a bladder lift and I got an infection because he and he and I had sex right after my surgery.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, then after that, he told me, cause I was out of commission for a good six weeks. Yeah. And, um, he had told me, he goes, I can't go six weeks without sex. You can't do that to me. And I said, so what do you want me to do? And he said, well, you're going to let me have sex with whoever I want. And I was like, okay. And I felt so like, Ashamed, the way he made me feel like I wasn't yeah. good enough already, yeah. and we had already had this back and forth issue
3: mm-hmm.
2: that I was like, okay, and I'm at home, practically dying with a a, a catheter outside of me, and he's at one of our friends' houses. He went on a date with her and then stayed the night at her house and then got her children breakfast in the morning.
3: Oh, God.
2: Yeah. Then when we get married, he says to me, there's a condition on us getting married. But if you don't get married to me, I'm going to break up with you. And then we're done because I want to be married. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. what's the condition? The condition is that we have sex with other people. The condition is, is that we have other people in our bedroom because this is not enough for me. And you know that. And basically I was being told I wasn't enough.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And then at our wedding where we, we eloped with, and had friends there, a couple friends there. And he told everyone there, the day of our wedding that we did that. He was bragging. He would brag about me in such gross ways sexually and objectify me in group settings. And then also to my friends and always would make these off color remarks to sexualize me in front of others. And then when we were in private, he would isolate and neglect. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't get what I needed when we were behind closed doors. And he did that on purpose. That was all a manipulation to keep control. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, it got to the point where we weren't even having sexual relations anymore he just straight up neglected me Mm -hmm. and, um, would tell me awful things. And then he would blame it on a porn addiction. And then he would blame it on other kinds of addictions. And then he Mm -hmm. would say, well, I'm just not doing what he wants enough. You know, it was always, uh, you're not enough thing because that's how you keep them under your thumb. Um, because towards the end I started working on myself and what i wanted and what i needed for myself and i lost weight and i started taking care of my body not just my spirituality but of this vessel that i'm carrying around Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: that's when it got crazier because he knew he was losing control because he was so Mm -hmm. afraid he was going to lose me to somebody else but the whole thing was was that he had already lost me by his own actions
1: yeah so pardon me guys no you're okay they don't understand that no yeah they that you know because it usually takes us a a couple of times uh to get out i left on um, my my first marriage when brett was brett was gosh in fact i was pre i was about five months pregnant with brett and i took I took Megan and my little dachshund and my pregnant tummy and my sister and her husband uh, drove to San Diego and picked me up and I went back home for a while, but I I kept going back, but you have to, you know, my mom gave me some really good advice one time and it was for me. She said, stay until you're done. If you're not going to, if you're not going to leave, it'll get worse
2: every time you come back.
1: Yes, Stay until you're done means, and I want to clarify that when you're done emotionally, when you're done, you're done. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're done, you know, it, you feel it. You, you are, it's a decision. It's, it's a no go back feeling.
0: Right. And we're going to talk about our, our exit plans at the, in, um, at the in the last part of um, today's yeah. episode. So okay. his so. last
2: ditch effort to sexually, so let me just finish my one. Um, his last ditch effort to sexually abuse me came when I was divorcing him. Mm-hmm. And he came up with this uh, pitch to me because he was losing all his income because I took care of him completely financially other than his mommy taking care of mm-hmm. him. And so because of that, he tried to get me to have a cam girl business with him and he wanted me to be the cam girl. And I said, so let me get this straight. You want to whore me out for money as your <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like that ain't gonna happen. I'm not (laughs) extending my abuse. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It was the most ridiculous, uh, uh, thing I've ever heard. And I just couldn't.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. That's so Megan, it's all you girl. My sexual abuse story. Woo. Okay. Um, so I, I already talked about, um, I think, it, I can't remember if it was last week's or the first week's episode where I talked about how um, he, he coerced me into beginning a sexual relationship before I was even ready. Um, and, and for a while, I, I struggled with it, you know, like I tried to to um, participate and, and engage a little bit, but, I, you know, I just, I really struggled because I had been, you know, sexually abused before, and that was hard For me and then you know when when some of the other abuse tactics started happening i i did emotionally disconnect with him and and because i i was struggling so much emotionally i didn't want to be touched and i I didn't want to engage in intimacy with him and um he would get violently angry and tell me that um i was putting him in physical pain by not being intimate with him when he was aroused and me at 24 years old, I knew nothing about the male anatomy. So I didn't know, you know, that that was a load of crap. Um, I I got told the same thing and bought it too. (laughs) And, um, and would, uh, you know, shame me by telling me that it was my fault that he was having to take care of himself, you know, in the bathroom multiple times a day um that's not normal no yeah that's not (laughs) um and uh you know it it would it would progress and I was confused because um even when I even when I didn't want to be intimate with him even when I was submitting because I was afraid for my safety to say no that I, I was confused that my body reacted anyways I didn't understand my own body's defense systems or that that's normal that your that your body will you know react to protect yourself Mm -hmm. um but it it was confusing to me and if it was um if it was painful and I I started crying and, and asking him to stop he wouldn't and my dog would jump up on the bed and try to attack him to get him to stop and he would punch or kick her away um this this is what i just remembered last week that there was um there was once that um he put his hands around my throat and started choking me in the middle of it and like he got really excited about that i got scared because I couldn't breathe at the same time that I'm being raped, and um, you know. Then afterwards, he asks me, "Did you like that? Did you like that?" And what am I gonna say? No, I hated it. You know, I was like, "Oh yeah, that was great." Um, there was another time, and um, it was right after I had my appointment set to go in for the procedure to be to um, try and get pregnant and he started um getting like uh real um antsy and irritated and and just like getting amped up and talking about how he didn't like it felt like i was leaving for the weekend to go sleep with another man and i was like i'm 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 not you picked out the person with me i'm going to see a female doctor And he wasn't okay with it until I agreed to come home from my appointment and be intimate with him so that it would feel like he was the one getting me pregnant. And I didn't know, you know, (laughs) what the procedure was going to be like. I, you know, so I went away for the procedure. My sister took me, she went with me, so I wasn't alone. And on the way home... I was cramping and I was uncomfortable and I was hurting. And when I got home, he expected me to go straight into the bedroom and submit. And, and when I tried to tell him, can, can, we, can we wait? Because I'm, I'm, I'm cramping. I'm hurting. No, was not allowed to wait. Had to be intimate with him while I was cramping and uncomfortable immediately after this procedure. And when I started, um, You know, once I was several weeks along, it became even more uncomfortable. And his response was to me crying and saying that I was in pain was to say, "Well, you're pregnant. We knew this was going to get more difficult, and flip me over and keep going." So it was just nonstop. There were days that I sat in my living room and watched the clock falling apart because it was ticking closer and closer and closer to him getting home, and I knew him coming
1: home. Yep. So, and you
2: know, are you okay? Are you I'm okay? okay. Yeah, that was like emotional, but I'm killing okay. it with you
0: right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So our next topic is about um, emotional protection and escalation. And for the sake of time. I think I'm just going to read through this section because I do want to give more time to talking about um, safety plans and giving each of us an opportunity to talk about the night that we left. Mm -hmm. Um, So for emotional protection and and escalation and all of these links are going to be in the bio Um, and in the description of the video as soon as it's um, set up to be replayed um we can so at thehotline.org they talk about how one of the most some of the most common questions that they get asked is how can i make them understand how can i make them stop can i defend myself um and and what they talk about is that when a relationship isn't healthy you know our natural tendency is to want to try and fix it we love this person but abuse is a choice and the abuser is aware on some level that they are choosing to participate in harmful and controlling actions and you're not going to be able to communicate or explain anything to this person at the best you're going to get minimizing denial and blame uh, you know yeah I don't
2: think they all know they're doing it I honestly think uh my uh, I I think Voldemort really truly believes he's okay oh yeah
0: we're oh, dealing yeah. with. Why trans- was really nice yeah. <laughs> right. we, we'll talk about we'll talk about that next like, week too. Yeah. All right. Nice we'll talk about we'll talk about the guy. levels of severity and the and the thought processes and and other things that come into play with with abuser mentality next week when we're talking about supporting the abuser. Um, but in general, it's it's a hopeless conversation, you know, unless there's willingness mm-hmm. to change. So yep. what they suggest is
3: learning to how so many
0: to, different therapists right what they suggest is learning how to emotionally defend yourself instead um and this is actions that you take for yourself um to uh shield and protect yourself from the negative aspects of the relationship while you're still there while you're still trying to figure out what you're going to do what your next step is um and some of the suggestions and I can I can give credence to all of these I've done them all um positive affirmations even if you've got an app that's just throwing up throwing them up on your phone randomly throughout the day um start reprogramming your mindset and working on your self-esteem because they're counting on you staying in that place of worthlessness they don't want you to take your value back so start taking it back self-care put self-care routines in place to meet your own physical and emotional needs even if you can only do it when they're not home and you've got five minutes do something learn to fill up your own cup because they want to be the source of all your happiness
2: yeah yes they do and i want to add something in there my loves i i know i do the hugs with you every time we come on but there's a reason for that i did that every single day before I went on a walk when I was in the middle of my abuse because I I was not getting any love from anybody else because I was sufficiently isolated mm
3: -hmm. and he
2: was withholding love and and kindness Mm -hmm. from me at that time. So what I would do is I would do this. So I felt held in love because the pain in my body was so great from everything that was happening to me at the time. And so you need touch, you need love, Mm -hmm. you need that feeling like you're being held, especially in those dark times. Mm Right. So do that for yourself. If you can, I did it every day to make myself feel like I was, strong enough to get through
0: right and self-care is really all about discovering what needs of yours haven't been met or aren't being met and finding ways to healthily meet them for yourself Mm -hmm. um the next one is build a support system gather a circle of people that you trust and that you can talk to to get support from when needed and we're going to go into more about that in the safety plan um and lastly see a therapist or attend a support group that's going to let you know that you're not alone and give you feedback and further tools on how to help yourself in this situation now a lot of us are going to have the urge to fight back or to confront our abusers when we're being actively abused but at the same time when we start taking our power back they're going to escalate and get uglier so ways to get that out of your system without putting yourself in further danger is to burn or bury something that reminds you of the abuse so that you can privately let it go um act out a confrontation with a trusted friend so that you can say what you need to say to your abuser safely Mm -hmm. and still be physically safe in their presence um Mm -hmm. write letters or keep a journal to get your feelings and your thoughts out of your head, but store them in a safe location, somewhere that they're not gonna be found. And if they are going to be found, destroy them. The point is just getting it out of your system so that it's not living inside your body anymore. And always call the point if you feel like you're in danger um it's also important to talk about escalation because it's serious and it's frightening and um you know escalation And it will
3: escalate
0: to, when you... yeah escalation is what starts to happen when victims start trying to take their power back or when they start to get yeah. better or 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 the, the 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 abuser feels that in some way they are losing control and it can mm-hmm. escalate to what is called lethal escalation um, mm-hmm. and it, it and it shouldn't be ignored and it's never ever the victim's fault. Abuse is always a choice. Um, some, um, you know, you might want to fight back, but um, if your partner's escalating, the best thing to do is Think back to things that have calmed them down and de-escalated in them in the past, and it may feel horrible and shameful to submit, but it's not. In that moment, you do whatever it takes to keep yourself and your family to safe. survive. Until you it's, get
1: it's survival. To a safer yeah. place. That's how long? Um, um, on that, on
3: that
2: note, I can share my exit. Minute land if, right. if we don't mind one um, more
0: one more piece and then we'll get to X to get X things and. moving
2: along yeah
0: um so signs to look out okay. for uh, legal uh, lethal escalation is more frequent and intense physical violence the presence of guns or other weapons especially if they have threatened you with them in the past extreme jealousy has tried to choke or strangle you in the past the abuser is suicidal or you believe that your partner is capable of killing you and questions to ask yourself is what is the point of no return what behaviors are you willing to accept and what behaviors are you aren't willing to accept it's that question that mom went back to before are you done and if you're done yes if you're not how far are you willing to let it progress? Because you need to decide, okay, if it hits this point, I'm done and I need to get out. And that's where the safety plan comes into play. So um, before we get into um, the, the outline of, of um, pieces to put into your safety plan, because this is information that even the three of us didn't know about when we were trying to get out. Um, I wanted to give a little Mm -hmm. bit of time, um, about four to five minutes each to talk about how you went about getting out. Yeah. Okay. So, um, who wants to go first? (laughs) I can go first. Okay, four or five minutes. Um,
2: Also because my stomach is hurting because I have to share it. But yeah. you know, in the name of transparency, um, I am doing this, and also for the women and possibly men who are watching this, going, "Oh my God, I'm experiencing that right now." Um, We've got
0: 30 so... minutes left, and we still need to go over safety plans, so we need to really keep it succinct on this one.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> So, um, when the, uh, situation happened where the gun was presented mm-hmm. to me, I knew right then and there, like I had known things were wrong for uh, about a year, um, uh, because I was starting to work on my own mental health mm-hmm. and growing and getting help. Um, and <sighs> okay. <sighs> um, so when the gun thing happened, I said, this man is going to kill me. Um, something landed inside me that just said this is not going to end
3: okay Mm -hmm.
2: and there is history in my family of domestic abuse where my great-grandfather killed my great-grandmother and then himself so it hit a nerve somewhere Mm -hmm. inside me that really was like okay are you going to be like your grandmother you know Mm -hmm. and I was not going to be a statistic um so I am, I, I had friends on the internet and I started flirting with someone who I knew was big and strong and um, I started an affair with that person and um, I did that for two reasons. Um, I did it, number one, because I needed somebody who was going to uh, protect me as I exited. And I also needed some companionship somewhere to feel human as I was leaving, Mm -hmm. because I really didn't have a reason anymore to live because he took everything away from me um so I had to find my way to get strong to leave somewhere and I knew that and um so guys I'm never saying that an affair is the answer it's never the answer and what I did was I made a, a a wrong choice but I had to do it for my survival and so while I'm sorry that I did it the way I did it. I'm not sorry that I made it out alive.
3: Absolutely. And yeah.
2: um, I went to to the extreme and I made up like a, a art collective that I was a part of and I was doing my art and I was doing my art with this person and we did have a friendship. Um, but I also did things I'm not proud of like I used him as far as like I invited him over my home so that my so that Voldemort could see that I had somebody big and strong who was my friend to protect me because I needed him to see that somebody cared outside of him so if he killed me like somebody's gonna care somebody's gonna say something somebody's gonna know Mm -hmm. And that's where I was at with it. So I brought this person around, like, see, there's this big, strong man here who will hurt you if you hurt Mm -hmm. me. And I also took Megan out to lunch and told her some of what was going on. And then I told my cousin some of what was going on. And my cousin told me, you can leave. You can leave and you're going to be okay. And I told Megan some things and Megan gave me a lot of tools like therapy. And when I talked to the therapist, they gave me more tools. So, you know, guys, be vocal to people who, you know, will help you exit. Mm -hmm. Um, My exit plan, like it wasn't executed very well, but I knew that I had to get out. And then it came after a couple months And, um, I knew he had said, Voldemort had said, the only way I'm divorcing you is if you cheat on me. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I knew I needed to do the thing that would break whatever bonds he thought we had. Mm -hmm. And that's why I did what I did. And it's not right, but I did it. And it made him look at me differently and um he went through my phone the night that i left the morning that i left actually he went through my phone and i knew he was gonna even though i was sleeping in our guest room i wasn't even sleeping in our bedroom anymore um i was to the point where i was sleeping on the guest bed in the guest room because all he did was try to punish me consistently Mm -hmm so what, what reason would I have to sleep next to this person? Right. And, um, he went through my phone and he's like, you have a boyfriend. He woke me up in the middle of the night. He goes, you have a boyfriend. And I said, what? And he said, I went through your phone and you're having an affair. And I was like, yes. And he said, how long has this been going on? And I I was very honest. And he started, like, pacing back and forth, and I was like, okay, get ready. Yeah. And, yeah, and then he's he started making phone calls at 1 a.m. Me. <laughs> he's made one to Megan. And then in the morning, I, I decided I was going to just pack up my things during the middle of the night. And by morning, I would call whoever, I, I was going to call Megan, and I did. But I also called my dad in the morning to come and get me and then Megan came and got me from my dad's and I the the morning that I left I was shaking like this yeah like I couldn't settle my nervous system and I'm very good at that I mean I do that for a living settling nervous systems but like I I couldn't even get there I don't want to rush
0: you but we're on seven minutes
2: okay I'm so sorry okay (laughs) so anyway um that morning he calls people and starts slandering me uh just saying oh you know she's out having sex everywhere she's cheating on on me all over town even though he had been doing that our whole marriage (laughs) right but somehow (laughs) i'm in the wrong (laughs) but um anyway i i made it and i stayed with megan for at least two weeks i believe and guys if you have a friend who you can stay with it's so important for somebody to carry you during that time after your exit because you're going to need that kind of care you're just gonna because you're not going to be yourself you're going to be a shell of a person while you're figuring out who the heck you are Mm -hmm. after getting away from the abuse yeah right
1: yeah
0: mom do you want to do yours real quick three to four minutes
1: i i will i will do mine very quick um I have been involved, sorry, I have been involved in several plans of extraction. Um, When I had to leave, I was 17 when I, my first relationship where I lived with a guy. Um, And I, I, I called my mom and told her I was scared. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to leave. I was told you know, if I can't have you, nobody can. And guns were involved. And my mother said, do you want to come home? And I started bawling. Yes. So sh- she extracted me. She called my brother and his wife and my older sister and my uncle. And they walked in behind me when I got off work at 930 that night. When I walked in the house, my whole family walked in with me. They took him, pushed him up against the wall, and my mother got in his face. And my brother and my uncle just handled his shit. And my sisters packed everything, i all my clothes, in garbage bags. I left everything behind. Furniture. I even left my dog behind. I ran. Because that's what you need to do when you're in that kind of situation is get out. I also have had... Uh, I had a a close friend that his daughter was in a relationship and the parents were involved uh, because the abuse that she was going through was something that the mother and father did. So that was their family life. And they all, they all three controlled her and she couldn't get out. And so her father called me and said, what do I do? And I said, this is an extraction moment. This is, you know, Um, I said you go get her mother, you both go to her house and show up with the sheriff and you tell her it's time to go state and you put her in the car. (laughs) and um, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been through those experiences several times there mm-hmm. it is tricky. Mm-hmm. But when you walk when, when you have an exit plan and and you set up an extraction plan, you can safely get out even when there's guns involved. Yep. You can safely get out, but you need help doing it.
0: Yep. There's safety in numbers. So that's you know,
1: there really SCC is. Numbers. And if you have family and friends that are willing to do that for you, um, you know, you, you can, and calling the police, um, they just stand there while you gather your things and make sure that you don't get hurt. And document the incidents. So, and,
0: and if it they document the trail, incident. it documents the incidents um for mine mine started um there were two instances of really severe physical abuse of his children that happened pretty much back to back um the first happened um we were having a birthday party for a couple of the kids at the park and he became angry about an incident that occurred but that was handled and he tackled his child to the ground and sat on his chest and raged at him while he was struggling to breathe. And it took me pregnant at three months, my mother and my brother for us to pull him off of his child. And then shortly after that, um, we had his younger children over at the house and um, I was putting the kids through the bath and cleaning up after dinner, and um, he became angry over something very small and flew off the handle in an instant and um, physically assaulted one of his children. And I had to, again, at three months pregnant, pry his hands off of his child while they screamed and cried and 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 melted down and then physically push him out of the bathroom to lock the door so that i could finish bathing them get them calmed down get them into bed put to sleep safely where they were going to be out of harm's way and then while and i what was what, was, on what the, was
1: the rage over megan what did she, he go what did he go nuts over on those kids in that, in the bathroom
0: she used too much hot water um so as I was sitting on their bedroom floor I couldn't hear him I was listening at the door trying to figure out where in the house he was I I sat there contemplating do I stay and keep protecting these kids that I love so much but have no power and control over Or do I leave and protect the child growing inside of me that I have all the power and control over? And I chose the one that I could make a difference for. Um, When I realized he wasn't in the house, I called my mother. I said, in 30 minutes, if I don't call you back, call the police and come looking for me. If after I call you, an hour goes by and you don't see me and you don't hear from me call the police and come looking for me got off the phone with her packed my bags as i went into the house for my last bag and i took just what was within eyesight that i knew i was going to need to survive in the next week i i left everything else behind put my dog in the car put basic necessities in the car as i came in for my last bag he was sitting on the edge of our bed And I saw him and panicked and bolted for the front door. He beat me to the front fence, put his hand on it and said, what do I need to do? I'll do anything, I'll do anything. And at that point, I just went cold. And I remember looking at him and going, Mm -hmm. the only thing I want from you is to let me go. And if you do anything else to hurt those kids tonight, I will never forgive you. And it shocked him so much that he let go and stepped back from the fence I also had my phone in my hand with your screen with your id ready to hit call and i called and said i'm getting in the car right now and i remember you Mm -hmm. saying you have an Mm -hmm. hour your brother's here and we're waiting and i was like oh crap because i knew that it took at least 20 minutes for him to get across town to your house so we already had um,
1: as soon as i got a phone call we started moving
0: yeah nice. and so i fought nice. all the way to fresno not to turn around and and i did go to use Steph, and I, and i did go to the other mother and i and i made a cps report and i did everything that i could do but after that I yep. had to release and just disappear because he did stalk me. Um I had to have my co-workers get my car and walk me into my classroom and then walk me back out to my car and wait until I had the doors locked so that I could go to work safely. Um just and anywhere we were in public that he found out I was going to be. I was stalked, I was harassed. I had to have a bodyguard everywhere I went. And finally, I just moved out of town and dropped off the map because I was done. Um, yep. mm-hmm. So those are just some examples. <laughs> um, but in the last well, minutes I- that we have here, we wanted to give you an outline for what to do to create your own safety plan to get out when you're ready to go and it's important to remember that this needs to be planned with a system of supports. so do whatever you can to get a system of support whether it's through your therapist your doctor the police friends family neighbors whoever's available co-workers use them um and remember mm-hmm. that you can't control your abuser and you are not responsible for ending the violence so your safety plan. You can't is- fix him. No, you can only fix you. Okay. Can I? I um,
1: can I take a two? Can I take two minutes and share one more thing?
0: Can it be one minute? Yeah. Okay, because I've got.
1: We were talking about we are talking about extractions, and um, and we also talked about men being victims, and my father experienced that where he was held at gunpoint with an ak-47 for about nine hours my sister and i knew something was up and we went up to the ranch and ended up meeting them on the road and we confronted and controlled his wife and he got in the car and split and we actually had to extract my father she butted him in the face with a gun we called the police and the police did the police that responded and this is what's difficult because men are victims too Mm -hmm. the police responded like he was whining well she hit you big deal well if you know
2: and that's unfortunate because that is stigma that we're still working with these days but it's getting better
0: women are just capable of being violent abusers as women are or as as men are yep there, there if, if is no she, if gender boundary it's not funny no, no. Yeah. okay so your safety plan is a set of actions that are going to help you leave more safely and decrease the chances of being hurt by your partner as you leave um these specific steps came um came from the haven um website and if you need help creating a safety plan. There is a, um, a safety plan guide on the hotline.org that you can use. I'm going to put the links in the description. It's wonderful. Please go look at it. There's lots of good information. Step one is that you decide on where you're going to go if you have to leave your home and how you will get there. This should be a place of safety where you can call and receive further assistance. Step two, after deciding on a place of safety, determine who can stay with who you can stay with once you reach that place. This should be someone who can let you stay for at least a couple of weeks. And who's going to be able to help you financially while you get back on your feet, because you may not be able to walk away with anything, you may have to leave it all and you got to be okay with that because your life matters more than your stuff.
1: Yep. Um, step. It's three, all replaceable, you know, just get your points and get out.
0: Step three is to pack an emergency bag and keep it in a secret place that is easy to reach. If it's unsafe to keep it in your home or your car, arrange to have it kept at your place of safety so that it's already there waiting for you when you arrive at that designated first stop. Um, Things to keep inside of the bag are um, whatever money you're able to keep, copies of important keys, several sets of clothing and important documents. And if you go and you look on um, on some of the links that I'm gonna provide, Um, they have a list of all the documents that are recommended for you to try to get your hands on if you can. If you can't, just go. I
2: have one suggestion that's not on our list. Mm -hmm. Um, During exit plans, you can also get a free phone from the government. Yes, you can. And you can use it if your partner watches your calls, goes through your phone or GPS is you like mine did, I had right. no privacy. Mm-hmm. So everything I did had to be said in person. I couldn't I couldn't do it over the phone. Right. So if I had had a, a thoughts to get a phone, you can do that, especially if they have you isolated
0: geographically. It right. would help. Mm-hmm. Right um step four is to open a savings account in your name this is going to help you support your financial independence even if you can only keep five dollars in it have it in your name so that you're ready to go when you're moving on to you know what are you going to do next after you're out um step five is to either keep the number for the crisis hotline in your wallet or better yet memorize it and keep change and a calling card on you at all times or that extra cell phone so that you can make a call, a call in an emergency without being stopped um step six and, is to use- and if you've one sec sorry and if
2: you've googled anything anything that's happened in your relationship and it comes up with the domestic abuse hotline my loves that call happens- I was on the bathroom floor crying my eyes out googling what just happened to me and it goes domestic abuse hotline call if that happens guys it is domestic abuse and you need to pay attention my loves it it happens more than you you could even imagine you know it happens to all of us any of us
0: any of us um step six is to find ultimate places to access the internet so that you don't have to worry about your browser history and you can't be you can't be tracked use the computer at work go to the public library go to your friend's house so that your internet activity isn't step seven is to come up with a code word or a signal with your family and friends that lets them know without tipping off your offender that you need them to call the police um Uh and step eight is review your safety plan frequently so that you are prepared to leave in the safest way possible when the time comes to make your exit some extra questions to consider that are great from the hotline.org's help um system with creating the safety plan is um if you need to avoid your abuser on the way to school or work what are alternate routes that you can take to get there safely Do you and your partner share logins and passwords to online accounts? Does a trusted friend or family member have access to your online accounts? Has your partner ever pretended to be you online? Have you shared private photos with your partner? Who could watch your children in case of an emergency? Do your children know how to call 911 in an emergency? What code word can you use with your children if you need them to call for help? And where is a safe place your children could go if there's danger? Is there a room in the house that they can go? Or is there a neighbor or a friend's house that they can get to safely on Mm -hmm. their own to go and get away from the abuse that's happening? Um, Again, we're going to have, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go in and I'm going to create the description and put in all the links because I want you guys to have this information immediately. Please, please, please. If you're struggling with this if you have questions if you're not sure um you know what what to do or or what you're recognizing contact us we'd love to have a conversation we'd love to help you we'd love to share more resources my socials are open for that yes and please uh you know if you even if you happen to stumble upon this share it because the information needs to get out so desperately and i'm going to have this up on youtube as soon as possible next week we're going to be talking about how to support the abuser if and when they are ready to make the choice to truly change and get help and then the week after that we're going to be talking about red flags versus green flags and how to heal once you're out um us wrap up for the day because we only have (laughs) a few minutes we used all our time today but that's okay it it was um, and ladies, uh, hang out on the Zoom for a minute. Don't run away. I think we should debrief together. Today was heavy. Okay. Um, all right, let me give this <clears throat> one more shuffle here. Whoop, number one, one popped out. Uh, I see clearly and accurately through divine assistance. Your spirit knows when something is wrong. If your gut is telling you that something is wrong, if something feels off, if you don't feel safe, if, if, if you feel, you know, fear is not our natural emotion. Shame is not our natural state of emotion. If you're feeling any of these things, listen to your intuition, listen to your gut, start researching, start asking questions because your body's gonna tell you when something's wrong. Even dissociation tells you when something's wrong because you wouldn't be numb mm-hmm. if there wasn't something wrong.
1: Exactly. So please
0: reach out exactly. and ask questions. Don't ever just let it go. You are worth so much more than that.
1: Numb is not a good place to be. No. Nope. It's and not a good place so to be. Much feel it
0: to heal it. Happiness <laughs> on the other side that's just yeah. waiting and- for you.
2: Oh, absolutely, I'm gonna add on to this. My loves, I am only, I'm about at my year mark of the time that I got to leave and exit. Um, It was early, 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 early December and I left with my life and you can too. And also with Megan saying what she said here, Your feelings inside your body of this isn't right are the most truest thing there is. And your intuition, we're built to be intuitive people, intuitive beings, just humans on their own. And so this is your core place right here. So if something doesn't feel right, please listen to it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And um, also, I'm gonna say with that, we're closing with, everybody take another deep breath, rub your hands together maybe too. And really push out all that negative energy we just talked about, just. There we go. And I wanna tell you all, namaste, the light inside me honors the light inside you. And we will see you next week.
0: All right. We love you. Join us next week for more on this topic and reach out if you need us. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay,
4: give it one sec.